0: weeks from today, right Don? August the 18th, if you didn't get that, that's uh, Welcome Back Cat Sunday. The advantage of being a, a college church is that this time of year, our, uh, it's not working? Well, it helps if you turn it on. <laughs> the advantage of being a college church is this time of year, our attendance will go up by about 75 to 100 people a week contribution goes up by about (laughs) $13.24. They're college students, it's okay. Every once in a while they're back in the back, they'll get a a, a donut with a note that says, silver and gold have I none but what I have. No, it's a joke. Um, If you're just joining us, we are thrilled that you are here. Um, We hope that you see uh, us as, as a body that loves each other. Because that's what I see when I, when I walk out into the, the foyers and everything. You see everybody talking to each other. They're genuinely happy to see each other. We're genuinely happy to be here. And we want you to be a part of that. Um, there are multiple ways that you can be a part of that. One of those, for ladies, is the uh, Heartfelt ministry. Ladies, if you're uh, college age, uh, to those who still have children at home, sign up for Heartfelt Today, uh, um, making, uh, they're making groups this week, um, and then August the 25th, there will be a big reveal and luncheon of what your groups are, and this is a really cool ministry for the ladies of this church. If you are a, a lady that wants to get connected to other women, this is a great way to do that. You you share in your lives, you share in your in your joys and your struggles and and it brings women of all ages and all walks of life uh, together. And so that is an awesome opportunity. Um, You can sign out for those, sign up for those out in the hub. Also, we're getting close to the time when we roll out our share groups. Um, And so we'll give you more information when uh, sign-ups of those. But if you uh, have thought about leading or hosting a share group, um, please see Wes Altam. Wes is uh, coordinating some of that this year, and so um, just uh, you don't have to physically talk to him. You can send him an email, you can send him a text, um, and he'll get in back in contact with you. What that entails, um, we're gonna sh- we're gonna shake things up this year, and and uh, share groups are gonna be a little bit different, and so they're not all gonna look the same, and that's okay. And so maybe if you've always thought, well, I'd like to do my share group like this. This is your opportunity. So jump in on that, and we'll get back to you when, uh, when sign-ups are for those. That is an awesome opportunity for you to uh, connect. Um, also, uh, we have S&T tonight. Um, five p m right back here, um, if you haven 't come to an s and T S&T stands for Sunday night together, um, and there will be a, a group of us who come back together tonight. Uh, Sloan Curtis and some of the college students are going to be uh, in charge of that tonight, and so that will be an awesome opportunity for uh, for you to hear what 's going on in, in their world and uh, hear their perspective and so I, I hope you 'll uh, make plans to come back for that finally. Um, you know, we talked about the clothing giveaway and all the things this church does. We also have a great relationship with the Department of Family and Protective Services. And um, we, uh, we minister to those people and, and try to connect with uh, people in that. We have adopted five students of various age groups who are in CPS custody. And Huntsville Church of Christ is going to buy their school supplies. And um, we, have, we have the budget, we have the ability to do that, but I'm putting this out to you because there are some of you who've said, Jeff, if you have opportunities like that, um, I want to do that. I, that's something I would like to give my money, my resources, my time to. And so if you want to do that, see me, and uh, I, will, I will give you the information, and you can, uh, you can jump on that. I, I told them when they sent us, they asked us how many we wanted, and I said yes we're Huntsville Church of Christ, we'll take them all. And she said, well, no, we can't do that. We've got to separate them out to other churches. And I said, well, that's fine. I'm, I'm, I can share. But if you need it, I know I can speak for these people in this church that uh, they will take care of that. So That's awesome, and that's one more opportunity for ministry this week. We're in a series we're calling Pray for Rain, which is a play on words, and we're talking about the kingdom of God. And uh, this week we want to talk about finding the kingdom. Now, some of you are not old enough to remember, but a lot of us remember the Y2K bug. You remember that? Um, Y2K was the year 2000. And uh, you know the young people are going to laugh at this because they know it's ludicrous. We didn't. Um, that uh, the 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 idea was that clocks on computers didn't go past two thousand because they were all two digit years. And so when it hit zero zero, all the computers in the world were going to shut down, and uh, it was going to be Armageddon. It was going to be uh, uh, you know just terrible it was going to be awful everything that was electronic was going to quit working Um, it was going to be a postmodern apocalypse like uh, some of those movies you see and so we all ran out and bought cases of water because that's what you do when there's a crisis Um, you know some of y'all who are old enough I need to I need to find this out you survived World War II and multiple how did you not buy bottled water because that's what you do when there's a crisis. I'm amazed. How did you ever survive any crises without bottled water? Anyway, that's what you do when there's, when there's a crisis. You run out and buy a bottle of water. And so we did that. And, um, of course, it, the world didn't end. The, the, the Y2K bug was just a gnat. And, and it was swatted and we moved on. And so it wasn't a big deal. But uh, until the next time, the world ends. Um, we have people in our family... And I'm not going to name any names, but every time we have a family get-together, you have to tread really lightly about what you say, because if you say the wrong thing, they're going to find a way to work the rapture in there. And uh, it's going to be a big deal. Um, It's going to be a long discussion. And, uh, you know, we often, when, when these people go to sleep after Thanksgiving dinner, you know, I want to run out and everybody leave their clothes there and just let them freak out when they wake up, but that's just the weird way my mind works. I'm not going to actually do that, Grandma. Um, but, uh, you know, they can find a way to work it into anything. Did you hear the, the cattle got out on 1488? Well, you know, seven is the number, uh, and it starts like that. But anyway, that's neither here nor there, because there's some people who are just obsessed with, with the coming of the end of the world, with the kingdom. In 2011, do you remember Harold Camping? Do you remember that name? 2011, May 21st, was going to be Judgment Day. It was going to be, uh, that was when the world was going to end, Christ was going to return. Um, Harold Camping was the guy who convinced his followers that, that he had billboards all over the place. That was the, the, Olivia's first birthday, May 21st, 2011. And so, you know, I was worried because we had a birthday party planned for Judgment Day. And and that's scary because you know what what do we do with that? Um, what do you do if the end of the world comes, and you're at a birthday party? Well, my father-in-law's answer was, "Guess you better make sure you got enough cake for Jesus." Um, of course, nothing happened. Um, camping was wrong, and of course, he said then that it was he was miscalculated. It was actually October, and then. It was another year, and you know, we're still trying to figure that out. But there was no end of the world, but this is nothing new. The point is, there have been predictions, there have been end of the world talk, as long as there's been a world to talk about ending. Um, in, In fact, you find one such discussion happening in our text today in Luke chapter 17. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, go ahead and turn over to Luke chapter 17. If you don't, you can check under the seats in front of you. There's some hardback copies. I'd love for you to take one of those and turn to that. Um, If you don't, it'll be on the screen and you can follow along there. Luke chapter 17, starting at verse 20. Here we have the Pharisees wanting to know about the kingdom. Jesus has been preaching about the kingdom. He's been talking about the kingdom. He's been uh, uh, building up the kingdom. That's been his gospel that he preaches. And and I don't know whether these are Pharisees that are trying to trap him like others have or if these are legitimate seekers like Nicodemus. Either way, they're asking him, where is this kingdom that you're talking about? When is this thing going to come? Luke chapter 17 verse 20. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, He answered them, The kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Their question, whether they're trappers or, or legitimate seekers, is a question that still gets asked today. Where is the kingdom? Where is this kingdom? When is this kingdom? When is the kingdom coming? Is it after we die? Is it some inner spiritual discipline? Is it something that's now? Or is it something that's to come? And the answer is yes. It is all of those. Jesus says, first of all, you don't discover the kingdom by observable phenomena. You're not going to discover the kingdom by this or that. The kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Now, they're perplexed. They they won't help like many of us. And, And so they're wondering, could this Jesus be the Messiah? If it is, it doesn't make sense because they know like people that today they have all these markers of the end times there's going to be earthquakes there's going to be new stars in the heavens there's going to be uh uh, the calling of arms and and he's going to raise up a militia that's going to overthrow the romans and and uh if he is the messiah then where are the markers of this kingdom and and jesus says this kingdom is not coming in ways that you can tick off the boxes This kingdom is not going to have your checklist of it fits this, it fits this, it fits this. You're not going to be able to run a controlled lab experiment and conclude, ah, here is the kingdom of God. You can't feed data into a computer and get a printout that will say, these are the coordinates of the kingdom of God. When I was a youth minister, one of my students' favorite games was whenever we would go on trips, we would stop at a border when we were traveling. And we would stop on one side of the border, like coming back from, we went to camp in New Mexico, we were in the panhandle, and we would stop at the border of New Mexico on the New Mexico side, and they would all get out of the van, and then they would run, and I would pick them up on the other side, and then they would go back and tell all their friends, Jeff made us run all the way from New Mexico to Texas. That was one of our favorite games. But there's not going to be a border sign like this. There's not going to be a now entering the kingdom of God border sign that lets you know this is where it is. There's no spectacular signs in the night sky. There's no fireworks. There's no new stars. There's no special conglomerations of galaxies. And and during Jesus' time and also today during our time, we're not going to get observable signs. Jesus says you're looking in the wrong place for the wrong evidence. You don't spot the kingdom of God by observable phenomena. The second thing he says is you don't discover the kingdom of God by the claims that men make. There will be men in every age who say, here is the kingdom of God. There is the kingdom of God. My response to Olivia's birthday party, May twenty first, 2011, was that this was probably the safest date we could have chosen. Because when God says, no man knows the day or the hour, that includes Harold Camping. And so when, when God has said no man is going to know the date, and this man has said that's the date, I'm pretty sure it's not going to be that date. Now, it could be the day before the day after, but, but that date ought to be pretty safe. So where is the kingdom? That's the question that we're asking. Many people will tell you the kingdom is heaven because that after we die, then we're going to be ushered into the kingdom of, of God. But Jesus says in John 18:36 that my kingdom is not of this world. The Greek literally reads my reign is not from this world. Because later he's going to say my kingdom is from another place. Literally the sentence reads my reign is not from here. Jesus is speaking not of the location of his kingdom but the authority of his kingship. So is it in our hearts? That's the popular one. It's popular with the new age, uh, uh, new pseudo-religious people that, that uh, it's, it's within our hearts. It's just something that's spiritual that is inside of me. Jesus says the kingdom of God is within you, but they miss Jesus' meaning. To, now, God's reign touches human hearts. When people live under the rule of God, their inner being is healed. Their inner being is transformed. It's renewed. But Jesus said, it's within you. Uh, again, as we've seen before, uh, our understanding is hamstrung by our translations. Um, it, it, literally, it reads, for in fact, the kingdom of God is entos hamon. Now, I've left the original Greek there for a minute because I want you to understand that, that when he says the kingdom of God... Entos haimon literally is among you, or in your midst. It It means right here among you. He's speaking to a group of Pharisees. You know what he said about the Pharisees' hearts, right? And so it's probably not within the heart of the Pharisees. Jesus is saying, it's right here among you. In Matthew 6, Jesus is going to teach his disciples to pray. And he's going to call on the kingdom as something that will come, pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The the, the parallelism of this prayer, your kingdom come. In other words, we pray that God's reign will be experienced on earth as it is already being experienced in God's own heavenly presence. And and so, Jesus' prayer there reflects a lot of the prayers of the Jews at the time. Um, One Kaddish prayer that was probably prayed at the same time was, May God establish His kingdom in your lifetime. And and you see the similarities there. Then there's the 11th blessing of the 18 benedictions that were spoken every time there was a synagogue service. And, And this prayer would be prayed, Restore our judges as at the first and our counselors at the beginning and reign thou over us. Thou alone blessed art thou, O Lord, who lovest judgment. The kingdom of God was near. Jesus is saying to them, these prayers that you've been praying every day, these prayers that you pray daily, these prayers that you pray in worship, these prayers that you pray and that you've been asking for are being fulfilled right now in your presence. It's here. It's among you. This thing that you've been asking for for your whole life for centuries is here now. So where is the kingdom? Jesus says the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. It's among you. Now, as Jesus does, he's going to give a lot of illustrations and a lot of stories, and he's going to start showing them where to find that kingdom. I remember when uh, Allie was a, a little kid, she went to a VBS, and um, When she came home, we were talking about it later during the week, and she said, Dad, I'm going to work on this week being more poor in spirit. And I went, what? And she said, well, yeah, that's what we learned at at VBS is that I need to be more poor in spirit. This is my kid. I don't want her to be poor in spirit. I, I don't want that for her. But, but they were teaching that the Beatitudes was some kind of checkbox, that we were going we to work harder, and so we were going to work on being more meek, and we were going to work on being more poor in spirit. And, and, but that's not moral charges that should be followed. The, the, Jesus wasn't saying that we should be poor in spirit. He says that the poor in spirit are blessed. Uh, his message is not a moral checklist. Jesus is telling us this is the kingdom that's, within, that's among you. It's located among the poor in spirit. So your job isn't to be poor in spirit. There are plenty of people who are already poor in spirit. See, Christianity isn't about being better. It's not fundamentally about morality. It's about learning to see. To see the kingdom the way God sees the kingdom. That's what Jesus said over and over and over. The kingdom is near. The kingdom is at hand. The kingdom is in your midst. The kingdom is small and unnoticed. It's like a mustard seed. It's small and unnoticed. It's hidden like a treasure in a field. The kingdom is right in front of you. It's right here. It's right now. It's the desperate. It's the weeping. It's the gentle. It's those who are, who are lusting for justice, who are compassionate, who are pure, who are peacemakers, who are persecuted. This is a picture of the kingdom. But we're not looking for that. We get sidetracked and we look for the kingdom of the world. The strong, the proud, the self confident, the independent. And and we at, at Huntsville Church of Christ are striving to be a kingdom church. We want to be a church that is full of kingdom people and about kingdom business. That's what went on here yesterday. Kingdom business. And, and those people who came in the door, the marginalized, the, the poor in spirit, the desperate, those without hope or without help who were looking for just a little something to help them get through, that's kingdom people. That's the kingdom that Jesus says is right here among you. Your problem is you can't see it. That's what He's saying to the Pharisees. You've got to learn to see the kingdom the way God sees the kingdom. There are too many churches today that are worried about the kingdom of this world. They're worried about the popular, or they're worried about the rich, or they're worried about the powerful or the influential. There are other churches where the kingdom is a production, and it's a big show that you come see, and then you go home, and everything's great. Or, or there are other churches that, that are just religious airport terminals, and everybody's sitting on benches waiting for their boarding pass to be called so that they can go to the kingdom. But Jesus says none of those are it. It is right now as much as it is yet to come. That's hard for us to understand. It's right now, but it's also yet to come. When I finished school at ACU, I was thrilled. I was not a big fan of school. Um, I, I was one of those what they call non-traditional students. You know what that means? That's a college word for old. And... Um, I went back later in life and I was about finished. It was May. I was done. I was going to walk. And I got this note that I needed to come see my advisor because I was three credits short. Right? No, it gets better. Three P.E. credits. <laughs> That's right. So, I had to take a Maymaster course. A Maymester PE course. Now, in Maymester, you don't get any of the cool courses, you know. They had bowling and, and, and golf and all these cool courses during the year. In Maymester, you got pickleball. <laughs> if you don't know what pickleball is, it's like life-size ping pong. You play with a wiffle ball and a wouldn't... Anyway, it's not, not a consequence. The point was, I walked across the stage at graduation. I shook Royce Money's hand and he handed me a portfolio that was empty but that that he handed me this portfolio I had a job lined up that was contingent on my graduation and by all intents and purposes I was a college graduate I had graduated but I hadn't graduated it was right now but it was yet to come you with me? Hillary and I when we decided to get married, when you've been in a bunch of churches, there's a lot of people who will come to your wedding. And so you can't afford that wedding. Um, so we did the, the, the only logical thing. We ran off and uh, we went to Niagara Falls on, on the Canadian side of the border in that tower right there. Beautiful. And we just took our, our immediate family And uh, that's where we had our wedding. Then we went on our honeymoon. Now, we were married, but we weren't married. We were married in the sight of God. We were married in the sight of Canadian government. But until that license was filed in the United States, in the eyes of the United States of America, we were not married. It was right now, but it was yet to come. The kingdom of God is right now. It's in our midst It's right in front of us. And being a Christian is about learning to see that kingdom. Being a Christian is learning to reach into that kingdom. It's about learning to see like God sees. To see the poor in spirit. To see the marginalized. To see those as precious children made in the image of God. That's how we get there. Now how do you see that? Because if you're like me, I don't always see that. I don't always see the kingdom of God as well as I want to see it. And so I go, how do I get there? Well, Jesus answers that question to another Pharisee in John chapter 3. In John 3, 3, he's talking to Nicodemus and he says, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. You want to see the kingdom. You want to be part of the kingdom of God. That's how you do it you have to be born again. Jesus says you have to be born of water and spirit. We call that baptism. And what happens is you confess publicly that you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and you physically submit to Him by being buried and raised to a new life. And the Bible says your sins are forgiven and the Spirit of God comes to live inside of you. And Jesus says when you're born again, you can see the kingdom of God. Can you see it? Maybe some of us, you know, as you get older, your eyes get a little worse. Right? And, and, and we have to admit that we don't always see as good as we used to. And that's why we offer prayer. That's why we offer to come together for one another and lift each other up Because sometimes we need help seeing. Maybe that's what you need. We're going to sing this song right now. And the purpose of this song is to give you an opportunity to respond to that message. To respond to the gospel call. To say, I want to be born again. I want to see the kingdom of God. Or to say, you know what? I've been born again, but my eyes aren't what they used to be. Can you pray for me to see the kingdom of God? It's in your midst. It's among you. It's right now, and it is yet to come. And that's the call. Won't you come?